In today's episode, I speak to the curvy yogi Luvina Rangel, a yoga teacher trainer, a single mother and a communicator par excellence. I also talk about resolutions, a vacation I took and plans for the year and the show. And in letters to myself, I talk about how excitement sometimes feels taboo. All this and more in today's episode of Everyday People. Welcome to Everyday People. My name is Vaibhav. Thank you so much for listening. It's a new year, a new bunch of shows, a new smile in my voice. I'm doing quite well. How are you? How was your new year? What are your resolutions? I can't hear you. But I wish I could so that this could be a dialogue. But here I am recording in solitude and that's okay. If you'd like to jump to the episode, the interview, jump to the 9 minute mark. But meanwhile, what's new with you, TXU? I'm going to talk to you about plans for the show, uh, also tell you some vacation stories and talk to you about new resolutions of course. Plans for the show really quickly. So I'm going to remove the mailbag segment for now. I guess I don't have an audience enough to get questions and that's okay. I'm going to have a small heart to heart with you at the beginning of an episode then the interview and finally letters to myself going forward. Expect four more episodes, 117 to 120. Uh, with the same look and then 121 onwards, I'll begin a new season, season 5 with a new graphic, maybe a new style. Let's see how that goes. I've been thinking about what is the identity of this show, right? This show has been happening since 2016, started as a blog, became a podcast and I've been sort of trying to figure out why should people listen to this? What are we trying to do here? And there have been a few stop starts, but I realize that I keep coming back to the idea of work-life balance. So whoever I seem to talk to about work-life balance, they say they have no work-life balance. And it's something that I've been deeply interested in. The workday is supposed to be divided as eight hours of work, eight hours of leisure, eight hours of sleep, right? But often what happens is we don't define those eight hours of leisure or we don't uh, fit in something else that we want to do. And work takes over most of our lives and we feel like we're stressed all the time. We feel like we have no work-life balance. And so I want to explore how do people sort of maintain an enthusiasm and an ambition? What else are they doing? That's why I ask about side projects. So this is a work-life balance podcast where we ask people about their enthusiasm. If I come up with a tagline for it, a catchier tagline, I'll start using it. But that's the plan for the show. I'm going to lean into this work-life balance idea. And if that's something you enjoy... Come to me on Instagram, let me know so that I have feedback so that I feel motivated to keep doing the show. If not, anyway, thank you so much for listening. Let me tell you a little bit about my vacation. So I took some time off from work last week of the year, 2022. And on the first day of vacation, my friend Nav came in from Hyderabad. He stayed with me for a couple of days in Bangalore, spent time with my family, um, spent time mostly gaming, but that was great. Like it's something that we both enjoy and we haven't been able to do in person for a long time. I recently got myself a new laptop. I decided to spend the money and I'm really in love with it. I love working on it for TXU stuff, but I also love gaming on it. And so we gamed for a while. And after that, uh, we took a spontaneous trip to Pondicherry, uh, which is a city, a small city in Tamil Nadu and uh, the neighboring sort of jungle village called Oroville, which is an international community built on this idea of inclusion and diversity and so on. Nav had been to Oroville before in 2015 or 2016 or so and he wanted to visit again. I had never been and I had heard about it for so many years. So we went there, it was raining the first day, we went on Christmas day and we we drove a, 
uh, we drove a Vespa down from Pondicherry to Auroville, about eight or nine kilometers in the rain. It was muddy. And the place that we'd booked, we'd booked a small like homestay shack. It was a lot more shack than we expected in the middle of the jungle. Auroville itself is a jungle. So like, you know, snakes and scorpions, though I didn't see any. I'd, I hear a lot about the snakes and scorpions. But it was a small sort of um, set of shacks run by this uh, lovely lady called Coel, who was very gracious. Um, uh, we stayed there just for a day. We had planned to stay there for two days. But we stayed there for a day and it was dry. The shack itself was dry and it was comfortable. And we were able to fall asleep. I felt good. Uh, we went to a couple of different places in Auroville. He, uh, we met some of Nav's old friends. I got to see a little bit of what the community is like. It's actually quite bustling. A lot of international folk, a lot of workshops and classes, though we didn't get time to take any. I did get time to do food tourism though, which is something I love. And I ate at a couple of important places. Brothers Pizzeria. I'd heard so much about the pizza in Pondicherry. It was just okay. It was just okay, but it was nice. However... There was a cafe called Bread and Chocolate, which was also highly recommended. And I got to eat brunch there and my God, it was delightful. It wasn't as flavorful as Indian food. European food tends to be a little bland, but the variety of textures was amazing. And I really enjoyed myself. Plus the coffee was really good. I also got some souvenirs for my parents, some bread and some chocolate from Bread and Chocolate. Uh, Another meal that I'll remember for a long, long time is uh, Solitude Farm. So Solitude Farm, uh, we had a vegan lunch there. They give you a thali with uh, rice, a little sambar, a little chutney, a bunch of different vegetables, a slice of papaya, all organic, all, you know, local. And it was so tasty. It was so fresh. It was so good. It We sat, we had gone there for breakfast, but that day, like they were having some management issues and they didn't have breakfast that day. They only had lunch. We waited for an hour and a half I sat comfortably and wrote a little bit uh, and Nav laid down, he was tired and he laid down on this. So it was a like a sort of small treehouse situation with seats there, just like raised off the ground and cushioned seats and we were sitting there quite comfortably for an hour and a half and then we had the thali and it was worth the wait. So if you find yourself in Auroville, definitely go to Solitude Farm. The most important part of the vacation for me though was the beaches. We went to the beach a total of three times. I'm a beach guy. Like I'm a beach guy over a hill guy and the last time I got to go to the beach was in March last year Uh, but unfortunately I couldn't go into the water because I'd just gotten a fresh tattoo. So this time I could go into the water and there's something else about the ocean man. Like the infinity doesn't care about your problems. I walked into the water and I felt its pull again and again and it felt like every time it was just pulling out the negative energy from me, it was pulling out the fatigue from me and taking it away. And I felt so refreshed to just be there at the beach for like 15-20 minutes, not much, but three times and to get wet each time and to like go in and just, it was everything I wanted it to be. It was perfect. It was a much needed break from burnout. It was a very rejuvenating time for me. I hope you also had a great New Year's break. If not, I hope you can have a break soon. And I hope that you'll approach this new year with a lot of passion and and energy. Uh, Speaking of passion and energy, New Year's resolutions. So I take New Year's resolutions very seriously. And before 2021, like the first half of 2021, I had moved from year resolutions to quarter plans. uh, where sort of tripled my productivity up from like 20% to 60% success on on the goals that I set. So this year, 2023, I'm starting again with 
fresh goals and the way i've divided up my resolutions is financial goals work goals this thorough and empty xu goals uh, fitness goals and then novelty goals are a new thing so as part of the travel uh, last year i i got to go out twice i realized that i need some newness in my life every now and then to sort of break the monotony and so i have some novelty goals some of which is travel some of which is just playing video games so like new video games that i want to play with my new laptop so uh, whenever you plan your resolutions do plan your leisure as well not just things that you want to do because they are good or because they're productive but things that will help you recover and sustain and keep going i plan to keep going with this show i'm enjoying it even though i hate the editing part uh, but for now I want you to listen to this conversation that I enjoyed a lot with Luvina Rangel. She is a yoga teacher trainer like I said at the beginning and she will introduce herself as all guests always do. So please enjoy Everyday People 117 Luvina Rangel. And we're recording. Hello. Now suddenly my energy might be 20% higher because we're in the show. Welcome Luvina Rangel as you've told me your name is pronounced my first question to my guest always is who are you what do you do and what is your current side project hi vaibhav and thank you for having me on the show and yes thank you for also asking and confirming that my name is Luvina Rangel uh it is i am uh, the founder of the curvy yogi i am based in bangalore i'm uh, a yoga teacher trainer i've been practicing yoga for the past uh, uh 34 years and i'm a single mom of three three humans and uh, two canines um what do i do uh, for a living is i live and uh, right now i actually uh, work and live to provide for three children uh, but also in an industry that is very personal and very passionate to me i have uh, a background in medicine and ayurveda and meditation uh or well I do also come from a corporate background of uh, global marketing and customer excellence service excellence in the Middle East that's where I was born where I lived uh, until I moved to India in 2014 um and I have an eye for detail I write I communicate I do all of these things in fact I think when you ask me what do I do I think the better question to ask me would have been what do you not do you know uh-huh. uh yeah because i i think i've always been someone who likes to experiment mm-hmm. i um, if i've found something interesting and it has captured my attention for more than 15 minutes then i go and do some research and i find out who's teaching it who's doing this how can i find out more and you know i'll go and try it out and then i'll try it out and i'll do it for as long as it holds my interest and if i feel that it's still catching on then i i continue and if i don't then i'm still happy that i've given it my shot so i've tried a number of things largely right now as the founder of the curvy yogi that is the name of my company uh curvy yogi because yoga is yoga and uh, beyond this podcast if you ever saw me then you'd see all curves you don't see straight lines you know mm-hmm. um i also approached it from a place of um, inclusion because that mattered a lot to me um and i figured that uh, in the yoga world where uh, you know when i first began there were very few people who looked like me even though um, you know i think it would have catered to somebody who looked like me people in front of the class leading the class 
didn't actually make me feel like you know you're one of us mm-hmm. um and my personal my personality would have taken me forward but i thought that you know i think it always makes sense to include people who are usually sitting on the sidelines right beyond asana is what i was looking at when it came to yoga and uh, i think largely i was more interested in the philosophy and in how things work why it makes a difference to people how it affects people the woo side of um, yoga and uh, i realized that uh, as a person i was always an educator i've always been in front of the room uh, helping people uh, make sense of big things by breaking it down into easily digestible smaller things so always an educator always in love with the body and the mind mm-hmm. and i ended up teaching asana but then further on teaching the theory of things so i ended up being a yoga teacher trainer building on to accessible yoga building on to the curvy yogi but side projects i think never entirely stopped you know mm-hmm. i mean there was always one thing to do um and one thing in which you can actually earn a living of sorts pay the bills and all of that but then there's always a part that says you know when i finish working what am i doing for myself you know right. what brings me joy apart from the joy of working what brings me joy that lifts my spirit up that you know that makes me feel like ah oh, i've done something different now as you can say i as you can see and listen i speak very little <laughs> you know very um, little it's hard to get information out of you as a podcaster i, must, <laughs> I swear to god like come on give me something dude <laughs> <laughs> no so communication is something that i absolutely love right mm-hmm. and i oh before communication i love people so you give me a group of people and i can talk in fact my my mother used to keep saying you know she can talk to a rock i've spoken to strangers anyway and 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 they open up just as much as i do i think you know there's a bit of give and take in that um, opening up of space or being yeah. vulnerable with authenticity you know you're not faking the uh, a story and then people get that people hear that from you uh they know that uh, they know that you're speaking from the heart and they know that you're listening not just with your ears with your entire body so communication is a skill that i have I, i'm it might have been you know something that i was born with and i'm in love with words i speak different languages so i write i um, and i and i'm also very opinionated i've been told so opinions thoughts not just opinions intellectually or because they make sense you know in the head that makes you feel like oh i know all of this stuff mm. but opinions because they touch you you know i mean when yeah. there's a matter in society some kind of social event whatever so it comes out that way and i think those or that skill that ability to communicate and speak to people is something that is an ongoing side project that reaches out to people fantastic so there's a lot of material you've given me here to riff off of the first thing i want to mention right the the whole idea behind the the show has evolved over time and now it's sort of you know i ask people when i ask them for recommendation i ask who do you admire and that's how i get my recommendations and each time i talk to somebody it is like they are admirable in some way or the other in the sense of they are trying something they're trying to achieve they're trying to go beyond the normal mundane life and reach for something beyond their grasp right and that is what i find admirable and um amazing however not everybody is used to communication and the levels of articulation that people have vary and sort of as a host it's my pleasure to sort of tease that out of some people and 
encourage that in other people. You uh, are one of the guests who's the most comfortably articulate that I've seen. Like you're so comfortable talking. And I, I got that just, just from your opening spiel. And as I'm sure you can tell in the way I talk, like there's a lot of similarities that I'm I'm coming across the first uh, communication, but like I've, I've been on stage since the age of four and I'm a ham and I love talking. I can talk to a stranger. I can talk to a rock. Like you mentioned, I've been told that I'm very opinionated. I've been told I'm very arrogant. Sometimes you also mentioned vulnerability with authenticity. Uh, that was, became sort of my um, writing mantra back in 2017 or so. A vulnerability and authority really like to be to to be openly vulnerable and be proud of it and to not let anybody like to take ownership of it in a way that nobody can shame you for it it's something that i've worked on uh in myself for a long time uh especially from the concept from the mental health aspect of it and i find that now i'm able to carry on this conversation with a stranger somebody in the room also you mentioned you're a single mom of three kids and two dogs i'm single and i have two cats right here there. you can't see it because... i think i can see one there oh no I... oh that one okay yes the ginger one there yep yeah. so lots of similarities we'll talk about your curvy yogi startup startup can i call it a startup your your foundation uh in the second section we'll talk about especially your love of communication and third talk to me right now about being a single mother three kids what are their ages what's that been like and then two dogs as well uh, are your children older and they're helping you out or is it still young and like stressful? How how has your relationship with the children evolved as they have grown? Yeah, so uh, great question. I think I love speaking about my children. So I've got three children, like I said, my oldest, uh, I've got two boys and a girl. My first and third are boys and then my daughter is the middle one. Uh, my oldest is 20. My daughter is 16 and my youngest is 12. So there was a time I used to say, am I never getting out of primary school? Then I said, am I never getting out of middle school? And, and now I'm just thinking, am I ever going to get rid of the teenage hormones? Mm-hmm. I don't think I, well, single parenting has not been easy. Of course, It's, I think, one of the most thankless jobs. Parenting itself is quite thankless uh, very often. But single parenting, I think, has its own level of you know getting it from the world okay. and from the universe you're, you're doing two people's job as one person let's be yes yeah. uh, two people's jobs you know uh, see I, I i must admit and acknowledge that there are many people who live in a complete family unit but who still do most of the parenting by themselves you know so before i was separated i i was technically doing or practically doing that single parenting bit myself. So, uh, you know, it, it's not uh, fair to say only single parents have it rough, but as a single parent who is completely established in the fact that this single person is going to bring food on the table and take care of the emotions and the mental health of the children who are going through their own uh, rigmarole of, you know, what's going on in our house and, you know, all the comparisons and all of that. It's not easy. Uh, it's very frustrating many times. And uh, I think even for people who are perceived as someone who's got everything under control, like that's usually what people think, oh, you know, Lavina, yeah, she's got everything in control. Trust me, there are many times or more times than not when I second guess myself and I think, am I doing the right thing? Because, you know, if you if you make a mistake, it's all yours. If you do something good, it's not yours. <laughs> you, you don't really know. And uh, the only saving grace is when you think uh, or when you are when you train yourself to think that 
you're doing the best you can at this point in time. Mm. And that requires a very conscious effort, you know, that you have to remind yourself that. But it is also the most rewarding, you know. And uh, I, I think uh, <laughs> I think I'm almost feeling very emotional at this point in time because, uh, so, you know, okay, I'll just crack a joke, okay? So, you know, we've all been going through this thing called Mercury retrograde, right? Yeah. And uh, everyone loves to talk about Mercury retrograde. And uh, they say, you know what, sometimes it's Mercury retrograde here and, you know, don't worry, you know, be careful, things will go wrong here, things will go all over the place. Until sometime, uh, I think two weeks back, I was speaking to my friend and I said, you know what? I don't know about Mercury going retrograde. I don't know if it's retrograde now or whichever way it's going. I think I am Mercury, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, I don't know what's coming or going. I think I'm the one who's it. So um, you don't really know and things can be very difficult. And when I say I was feeling extremely emotional about the parenting, it's because, you know, children go through their own phases, their own needs, emotional needs, mental needs. Those are the more important ones than, of course, you know, the food and the clothes and the education. But uh, as they grow, we also grow. I mean, uh, I haven't been a mom before the day my oldest was born. I was a single person then, a pregnant single person, but then I was single. And I don't know. So every day he comes up with something new or my daughter presents herself, you know, uh, with a new issue then it's something new that I have to deal with that I've never dealt with before. And there's no one else to sound it off to, you know? Like, who do you talk to about this? No two people are the same. So it can be a pretty lonely one. But once in a while, you know, there'll be someone who will come and tell me, you know, Lavina, your son did this and, you know, it was the nicest thing or, you know, your daughter does this. And um, and then I see how they talk and how they behave. And I remind myself that them messing up is a part of life you know them messing up is their right I mean come on we mess up all the time so why shouldn't they I won't say it's been an easy journey it's been a terrible <laughs> a terribly tiring Let's journey out. it's okay if this is your yeah. time yeah well uh, and I don't think I should get my emotion out that much but uh, no it's uh, it's been it's been both difficult as well as very rewarding. I, I, okay, since this is the podcast and my kids will somewhere hopefully listen to this, please listen to this, uh, Akshay, Ria, and Avi. I'm super proud of all of you. I know you people don't uh, clean up after yourselves and you don't clean your rooms. And I'm putting this out there on the podcast because Web have asked me uh, if you do. Uh, some of you do. Sometimes you don't. All of you can do much more. But I love you all. I love you very, very much. And I think uh, if there's one thing Thing that, that I wouldn't want to take back from. I mean, there are lots of things we want to redo in life. Um, I think I would, you know, make a few changes, but I would want all three of you all over again. So um, I think, uh, Webhav, you know, the question that you ask is so multifaceted, you know? I mean, there are so many ways you can look at this. There are times when I say, why did I have to? Why did I have to be a mom in the first place? I think I was so romanticized with the idea of having children mm. that I always wanted to get pregnant. And then I always wanted to have this great camaraderie and uh, mature relationship with my children. And everyone encouraged me and no one told me that from the time you give birth till they become independent, there is this entire period of parenting, which is a mess. (laughs) (laughs) They should have told me that. They should have shaken me out of this fairy tale that I was living. But Mm -hmm. they just pushed me into it. And then I had to do the next best thing. That is my mantra. That is, just show up you know. show up yeah so i mean you are mercury because you're raising the temperature right now Whew. 
like <laughs> sorry the emotional whiplash of that so i i'll um, i'll talk for a bit and just like share my experience with parenting while you cool down uh, for anybody listening here's a tip uh, since we are like two communication experts here uh, sometimes you know especially if you are conducting an interview or if you are just talking to a friend at a cafe like they might not ask you for information volunteer it like always offer similar experiences that you've had to what they've shared so that they can take a break and listen to you and then they'll start enjoying the conversation it becomes more of a back and forth rather than just you sort of grilling somebody for more information which might make them uncomfortable so while lovina rests uh, having talked about her family uh, you know it's they say that it takes a village to raise a kid and here's you one person raising a village honestly and sorry akshay was your oldest right akshay is your 20 year old akshay yes yeah, so akshay if um, if you're going to move out at some point soon to go to college or um, start striking out on your own um, i highly encourage you to move to another city and take your own house because for me that was the time where i learned the most learn to appreciate sort of cleaning up after yourself learn to appreciate the effort that goes into managing versus just doing so it's laundry and dishes and food and cleanliness and a hundred different things you learn that it is kind of a full-time job to maintain a house and that will be a period of fantastic growth for you whether you live alone going forward or whether you come back and live with your family you'll be able to contribute in a, a more equal fashion and that's when you become an adult so i have a lovely mother here uh, this is just on her behalf she didn't ask me to say this but it's uh, here's an uh, here's unwarranted uh, advice from a 30 year old so uh, you you mentioned that you know the whole difficulty of parenting now i am not a parent i'm a single person the closest i've gotten to parenting is of course my two cats but also i was in toastmasters uh, for 5 years so if you're familiar with toastmasters it's public speaking mm-hmm. yes. collective and during that time the first couple of years you know i was doing my own thing i was kind of enjoying it kind of lonely and then my second year onwards i started mentoring people and that was the, like it, somebody reached out to me like hey would you mentor these people and i okay i don't know what i'm doing um and over time just sort of finding ways to answer the questions that come across not in a cliche way not in like one size fits all but trying to take my experiences and then arrange them in a way that is uh, unique to the individual that is appropriate to the individual really sort of started fostering that father um, father fatherly feeling for me and i've uh, i'm very grateful that i've had the opportunity to mentor over 100 people in toastmasters and of those you know obviously you can't love 100 people equally but i'd say like 20 25 of them are like really like my children uh, in fact just a couple of months ago uh, my as she calls herself my number one student prerna mm-hmm. she uh, she moved to canada to study masters and she met me before she left and we were both on the verge of tears i mean because it very much was like oh my child is leaving during that time during my time in toastmasters i was also for a year i was in a position called division director and i was division a director which you know becomes an acronym of uh, dad and that was the joke that a lot of people were throwing oh where was the dad where was the dad and i'm like i never responded to it because internally i did feel like it i felt like a dad to all these kids and it really was a different it's hard to explain so i know that it's not the it's not equivalent to having your own flesh and blood kids as far as i understand like that's just another level of intensity but my own achievements were never important to me as much as you know my mentees and my kids honestly like performing uh in 2020 i made a list of at the end of the year i made a list like of top 10 moments of the year 
out of my journal, I was just pulling out these things. And uh, I think number four or number six was six of my kids going to a high level of competition and like reaching out to me. And I got to attend both those competitions. I got to sort of cheer them on and celebrate their win. Like it's just, it's just a spectacular feeling that you receive a young adult under your care and then you're with them for a year or two years or three years and then they just become somebody new and they can't see it they can't see how much they've grown but you can see it i think that's the that's just been the biggest joy for me because i realized from it must be the same for my parents or my my mentors who so like i can't see my progress i get very very down on myself very hard on myself but they can see so when you spoke about the fact that they can do a little bit more but you are proud of them and you'd have them again i completely understand what you mean because it's it's just a different like you're it's a life it's a different human being who's doing things that you cannot control that you cannot predict but you hope that they turn out well and they do yeah 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 you know weber when you're saying all of this so I am an educator, right? And I work with, uh, well, not really children, but uh, uh, I do enjoy speaking with young adults because I can relate to them in a contemporary fashion very nicely and easily, but with adults, you know, largely with the people in yoga. And uh, what you said, I think is true for many of us who reach out to other people in such areas, you know, Um, not really really academia, but... uh, you know, life as such. And uh, there are always a handful of people who will come and, uh, you know, feel that bond. Yeah, yeah. You know, that kind of a relationship which lasts. So you see, for example, if it's one a, a yoga teacher training program, there will be anything from 15 to 30 students in that batch. Okay. But, Often and you have multiple programs. Yeah, uh, multiple programs around the year. But from that batch, you'll have about two to four people who then hang on to you yes and uh, they don't latch on to you because I mean uh, they don't latch on to me because I don't uh, foster that kind of a uh, relationship but there is that bond that's there you know that relationship which then lasts for many years they and and they're always in touch and then you see them grow and you see them fall or they tell you they share and at that point, it's not a teacher, student, or a, not even a mentor, mentee. Maybe it is, but it's not formalized that way. That you get to share, or I get to share who I am as well. And they get to speak to me as another person, you know, as as another woman sometimes. And uh, the same fashion, I think when you said that, uh, I am in touch with many of my high school, even primary teachers, primary school teachers. Yes. And Facebook is great for that. Uh, and there are a couple of my teachers who are so close to me, uh, especially my my 11th and 12th English teacher, uh, uh, Miss Rini, she knows me very, very well. In fact, she's the one who actually reflects and reminds me of, you know, you were this way when you were 15. And yeah. I know you have seen you then. And I didn't see myself, which 15-year-old sees themselves as something beyond all the problems that a teenager has. So what you're saying is, is, really really both hard hitting as well as uh, very grounding you know it's it, it reminds us that the people who inspire us also inspire us to continue that cycle and then inspire others yeah. so well done to you too thank you very much I mean I feel like that's why 
like I'm also a teacher and I think that's why we uh, gravitate towards that because you know you said being a parent is thankless being a teacher is often thankless Uh, but you do it for the few people who you know really take what you have and turn it into something that they can own and they do something good with it and honestly it's spectacular Um, yeah so uh, I think we're in a very good mind space we'll we'll stop our first section here and we'll come back with uh, Luvina Rangel for our second. We are back with Luvina Rangel for our second section. We're talking about work, work-life balance and money. Luvina, so is, is the Curvy Yogi your primary uh, business or do you also have like other jobs or how are you sort of balancing it all? Well, the Curvy Yogi at this point in time is my primary bread earner. Um, I've... Uh... I, I earn my living and all the everything that I need as a human, you know, who's living in this world through the Kirby Yogi. Um, and uh, side projects, yes, they do come. I think, you know, as an entrepreneur, uh, business in itself has its ups and downs. Uh, and uh, there are sometimes when you have, you know, massive work and sometimes it's a lean period. So there's this uh, way of, okay, how do I fit things in? Mm-hmm. Uh, so... So that's where it comes in. Side projects come in as and when they're not usually what I'm really, really, uh, you know, um, having a bird's eye view or very keen uh, focus on. But uh, they do. And sometimes, uh, you know, those side projects actually uh, really support you um, when the business is uh, focused on dragging you down. Um, But, um, you know, the work that I do at the Curvy Yogi has largely been more in terms of authenticity than, you than just making money uh of course it was important and it is uh so it's important for us to acknowledge that hey you know like people are skittish and talking about money but everybody is sort of after it so i like i don't ask you questions about money to sort of Mm -hmm. needle you but more to sort of normalize the conversation that hey everybody is earning a living you know yeah 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 i think it's it's a very important question for those in my industry also because in yoga there have been some people who say, oh, you know, you should not earn any money from yoga and you should not, you know, they add their shoulds to it. It should be taught for free. Uh, Yeah, you know, I don't mind teaching for free if you're going to take care of my bills. If you're going to get my grocery and pay my bills and, you know, send my kids to college, I don't mind doing it for free either. I mean, I'd be more than happy to. Uh, But um, no one's doing that. No one's coming forward to that. And we don't, we have forgotten the culture of, uh, you know, taking care of those who are uh, upholding the spiritual traditions in such a way, which used to be the case once upon a time. Today, people are being mocked at. So, um, you know, to uh, it was important for me in a couple of ways to use my platform, to to use my, so my authority or my expertise on the topics that I teach or that I bring uh, in a way that both platformed the community, platformed the country, the society, and put it out there. So my audience is largely international. I um, my, my students are largely outside of India, which meant that when I had that outside-in focus, when I was looking at India from the outside, I realized that uh, there was very little authenticity that was being taught. And there was just a little bit of peddled uh, hodgepodge mix-match of something in the name of yoga that was being taught and was made being made, you know, there was money being made. And here we had really good teachers coming from really good uh, lineages or uh, with teachers with substance 
but who were uh, really making just barely making ends meet you know and uh, it, it was important for me to just try and bridge that gap to try and get more people from india uh, people of substance not just the passport uh, but you know that visibility that actually gave them that uh, that credence you know that that opportunity to be where they are and that's how um, i shifted a little bit of my business focus from uh, just being about body positivity which is still there but to something that brings uh, you know the rest of the world or makes uh, authentic yoga a little bit more accessible to the rest of the world so that was a little bit of a, a spin on accessibility as well mm-hmm. and at the same time i am uh, president of the viki karnataka yoga council therein i i have the opportunity to bring recommendations to actually increase the visibility and the economic status of yoga as an industry right. and uh, it was important for me to or it still is it's very important for me to start regulating or start establishing something like not necessarily a minimum wage but benchmarking the earnings of yoga teachers and you know to give a little sense of stability or standardization to it saying what can you minimally earn as opposed to going and haggling for it the number of gated communities who negotiate with yoga teachers to come and teach classes to 20 women in the community who don't want to step out and say we'll pay you 100 rupees that's not a, that's a joke i mean these people who have they they've put in as much where is the return on investment to their education you know they many of them have are single many many yoga teachers are are single uh, income well breadwinners for the family and um, here you're looking for your convenience but you all we you know when we negotiate we forget that uh, the person in front is bringing their expertise they travel and all of these things so uh, sensitization to all of that is also important and actually you know the world is getting smaller so while there's a global look to yoga right now i think it's important in that global view to start recognizing where are the gaps you know who are we not seeing in the room yeah. whose concerns are we not looking so uh, my business focus has been largely that values of my business have always been diversity and inclusion with a sense of community and integrity so authenticity integrity and community have always been a very very strong uh, focus in my business and there has always been a collaborative element so you know it's important to collaborate uh, again collaborations in the industry have been you know not very very unheard of you don't hear of many yoga teachers finding, finding people to collaborate with is a skill set on its own negotiation is a skill set on its own i think yeah. you are uniquely positioned as the president of the karnataka association as somebody who is a fantastic communicator as a yoga teacher with 34 years of experience you said Yeah. <laughs> I think you're uniquely positioned to like provide these soft skills to people who are coming in, especially the art of negotiation. Like I, I learned that only a couple of years ago, and until 2021, and until my previous job, I wasn't. I was I was well off in the sense of I was able to meet my needs, but I was I didn't have the stability where I could stop thinking about money, and mm-hmm. then you know I've been a professional writer for eight plus years. I'm like okay, I'm earning way too little. and i switched jobs and i negotiated well and in one negotiation i doubled my salary and now i'm comfortable to the mm. point where i don't need to think about money yeah i realized it doesn't have anything to do with my knowledge or skill set or you know how well i do the work that i'm being hired for it's primarily down to negotiation yes. i think yeah. equipping equipping you know stand alone yogi st- freelancers essentially with mm. negotiation skills is something that you and i can both sort of work on and um help our respective communities and our respective yeah. audiences with so i'm actually one of my mentees non toastmasters mentees reached out to me yesterday uh 
about this specifically and i i listened to her situation about wanting to change jobs and everything i said okay cool let's work on your negotiation skills yeah um no, so you... i just want to add something here quickly vaibhav you know because we're speaking about money right and mm-hmm. um, like you said money is a tricky topic that you know people think that you know we we hear things like money is the root of all evil and all of that stuff mm-hmm. um you know i mean come on you can't really i and i'll say this uh, in fact i'm just putting it on the record now on this podcast right i think um, my relationship money, with money has been very very tricky you know uh, coming from a place where uh, where i didn't have to ever worry about being provided for um uh, i didn't think much and i always thought that you know oh money was well, it's it's not that important you know something else is important relationships are important uh, you know time is important all of those things until it came to the point where i had to look at everything and say hey me uh, okay i've got my relationships and i've got my quality time and i've got everything but where's the money right yeah. and and then when and money provides that basic structural stability and that source of uh, security like it's it's your uh, it's your root it's the root cause I mean, chakra is as i call it in yoga language um, you know it's your muladhara also like it just grounds you in, in the most tangible ways and if you don't have your roots there if you don't know that when i turn around my needs are met mm. then what spiritual focus what other things you know you need to have this this is a more this is your these are your basic needs and uh, and just for everyone who's listening i also want to say that the the uh, this relationship with money and uh, you know these things are ongoing for many of us and i say us right um there are times when expenses now i've got a 20 year old who's at university and uh, last year was a very very intense year financially which meant that yes i mean i did it but that relationship is ongoing to see okay where am i today where was i yesterday and you know what's happening so um if you ever get an opportunity to speak with someone who can help you um navigate that or even for you to just t- make tiny kicks and uh, nudges to break out of it i think you really should and not buy into the general drama that says hey money is not important well if someone tells you that ask them to pay your bills let them pay your bills then you'll say that money is not important yeah, because know, someone you know, else you know, who are the people who say money is not important the ones who have it yeah honestly for the ones who don't have it i mean what i mean you don't go preach god to someone who's hungry you give them food uh, i want you to give your number one tip for improving your relationship with money i'll give you a second to think while i give mine uh, to improve your relationship with money you need to attack it from two fronts the first obviously is to increase your income to a level where you're comfortable and that um, can come through your negotiation skills the way you communicate primarily your communication skills work on that uh, the other side is learning to spend less so i've been a very aggressive aggressive saver for a long time since 2015 i've been say putting away 50% every month no matter what sacrifice i have to make you don't have to be that aggressive but learning to also adjust your expenditure is important because if you don't do that it doesn't matter how much you earn your lifestyle will grow to match that and you will find that you you don't have money left at the end of the month and that's called lifestyle creep it's a very real thing so manage from both ends increase the income reduce the expenditure luvina what's your number one tip for improving your relationship oh, you know when listening to your tip i was like oh my god i mean because there will be people listening to this but people who know me would say that my number one tip would be for for someone i mean this is coming from exactly my experience and that is to that it's never too late to you know to gain that financial literacy and i'm using this very specific term because i've heard this from someone who told me luvina where is your financial literacy at this point in time because yeah. i need to ask right i'm a science person um a science 
uh, with a bit of woo-woo. So yes, definitely get literate on that. And if you don't know, uh, you know, there are people who help out. There are people. So find someone, but trustworthy. Don't just go to any broker or anyone. Yeah, don't um, be an idiot. Like, be skeptical. Be healthily skeptical, but yes. open to it. Yeah, be open to learn. And there are a number of people who, who teach. And I think the, the 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 side tip to this main tip is that, that it's okay to not know. And it's okay to accept that you don't know. Uh, that was a big one for me, you know, uh, to accept that, no, I don't know anything about this. I really don't know anything about this. And can you please teach me? So uh, that openness to learn and that, uh, you know, so that again comes to a little bit of vulnerability. So, but, but you need to be vulnerable with someone who you know can be trusted with your vulnerability. Okay. So be a healthy and a smart consumer also in that. But I think financial literacy at this point is something that I would really, really push for. I think being open to learn is the number one life tip, honestly, like admitting to yourself, hey, I don't know anything is the start of I want to know something and I want to go and learn it. I think that's fantastic. Mm. Okay, yeah. switching up, uh, not switching really, just staying on topic <laughs> about the Kirby Yogi. What's the business model like now? So are you providing regular classes to groups? Are you doing workshops? Are you doing seminars? Mm. Where does Instagram fall in that strategy? Because that's how I contacted yeah. you. Uh, what's what's your business model? Yeah. So no, I don't teach group classes. I've stopped taking asana classes for a very long time now. Yeah, uh, I do focus. Theory and asana, but yes. you're not doing asana at the moment. No, I don't do. I usually bring in only the theory part and mm-hmm. largely to do with the philosophy as well as the anatomy and physiology. That is something that I can really, really do. Um, so uh, the, the Kirby Yogi model in itself is largely workshop and longer duration program uh, basis. So they're usually uh, specific programs, either an Ayurveda or the different philosophies or anatomy physiology is usually the teacher training bit. Um, and then I talk. I, I have a lot of uh, involvement with talks, uh, with seminars and conferences and uh, just, uh, you know, open uh, webinars that people come in and uh, listen to. I am also um, one of the faculty members at Hindu University of America for Ayurveda. So whenever we have semester-wise or quarter-wise uh, Ayurveda programs, I have two courses right now that are running there and uh, and I teach there. But um, they're usually those, they're usually uh, theory or educational workshops and programs. Uh, my, my programs are not uh, no more registered with Yoga Alliance because I believe that we can stand alone and uh, uh, do much more uh, in terms of teaching than be regulated by someone who is not necessarily authentic in their own, uh, you know, organizational system. Uh, what, sorry? What you're, did you dissing, say? you're dissing... Uh... What is the yoga, yoga yoga alliance yoga alliance yeah, i don't yeah. know who they are no that's okay you can find out and you can say oh she dissed them okay uh but uh yeah i do and uh, and my programs are there uh, they're accessible to a number of people so uh, um for the ones who can pay they do come and pay and i always always attract a brilliant uh classroom uh, population always i i i don't think i have had uh, you know, any student so far who has ever come into my classroom who is not brilliant at who they are, they and they usually sponsor uh, uh, um, other students who may be from the communities who cannot pay for it as well. So that model of uh, uh, okay. sponsoring other students is also there. Uh, but uh, this is largely where it is. At, the, at this point in time, I am also uh, looking at a different uh, offshoot of the Curvy Yogi, which is still in the planning stages. And I'm, I'm hoping that I should be able to launch and advertise that, uh, you know, uh, 
in in no no preview yet because it's still you know uh, it's a lot of it is here. Yes, it's still, uh, you know, the idea that is taking on the flesh of the idea. Uh, but uh, that, um, I work largely with people when when they do want to have personalized sessions, then they are only for those who, who need specific physical or physiological assistance. So I work with people who have spinal disorders or any endocrine health, so diabetes, thyroid disorders, menstrual disorders, and, uh, and talk programs, you know, which are there. So wellness programs that are there throughout. Um, because of Ayurveda, uh, emotional intelligence is something that I do very uh, often speak about, uh, be it on LinkedIn or um, LinkedIn usually has a lot of my workplace wellness and my emotional intelligence conversations um, mm-hmm. because it helps with leadership programs. So I, I help and I uh, work with leadership programs there. Again, uh, a personal interest is with uh, with women you know, on helping them actually communicate, stand up, you know, be be um, amenable to being visible. So helping them with visibility. Right. And Instagram came in. Uh, well, when Instagram first came, it came into my, the, the Kirby Yogi space. Uh, I was like, okay, you know, let's see what this is. Let's see. So my very first post, which I haven't removed yet, remind me where I came from. I had some lame posts there. And I said, seriously, that's what I was doing. Um, and then my audience grew very organically. I didn't do anything and I still don't do anything. So I'm really not looking for, you know, well, hopefully one day millions or whatever. But whoever's there right now is there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm technically the Kirby Yogi has a very unapologetic voice right and if I have to say something then I say it and then and people like that because many people are well a bit scared at times to say what's the backlash going to be like and I say I don't care bring it on right so uh, yeah no some people do I mean, but, uh, time. Like, if if you're busy, you don't. You've, you've not got the time to care. Seriously, you don't. So, uh, Instagram is largely my interaction with the community space, um, and uh, LinkedIn is for the more corporate, the more uh, more uh, professional space. I usually just cross post from Instagram to Facebook, and uh, not many people interact as before on Facebook. So I find there's a lot it's more interaction on Instagram. Audience, so you know they want to shoot themselves in the foot. Go ahead, mm-hmm. just fired. they just fired what 10,000, 11,000 people. Yeah, uh, there are so many more questions I want to ask you about this, but uh, we're already over our time. It was one hour. Do you have time to continue talking? I do have some time, unless if someone comes knocking, then they know, then we'll know how much time we have. But I do, I do. Okay, I so I, I, the last, the, the few questions I have about work, let's just rapid fire them. You mentioned integrity is one of your key values, the way you've described like the limitations and boundaries you've set on who you take on as a personal client and the way you approach students. Is that your integrity in action? Uh, it is because uh, especially in India and especially with yoga, there are people who think that every yoga teacher is up for all sorts of nonsense. And I don't have a problem saying no to people who I don't want to work with. If I don't feel good about them, I say no, straight up. I've uh, nothing to lose there. You said you attract brilliant students. Why is that? Why do you think that is? I think it's the intention that I carry. You know, I think, uh, yeah, I think it's the intention that I carry. And what is that intention? I just want sincere students who want to do better and who want to just deepen their their knowledge. And uh, the ones who've heard me, who, you know, the way I speak, the ones who appreciate that, I think they are the ones who come in. I mean, they're not the ones who want to waste time. And, uh, you know, so the people who come to me are not. So I don't speak what I think you want me to say, Vaibhav. 
you know mm. i speak what i want to say based on what you ask me and if you receive that and you also say what you have to say then i think we have a working viable relationship right yeah. and those are the kinds of people who also come into my classes there is respect and there is still a lot of agency you know so i don't bully them into listening and they don't bully me into saying hey i paid you to say this well, no you don't you don't pay me to say anything you pay me to come listen to me not to tell me what to mm. say yeah and yeah. uh, you're a paid speaker then like you said you do a lot of speaking gigs mm-hmm. um hey toastmasters listeners look <laughs> uh i've done yeah, very keen on stand up comedy huh I, i do a lot of improv i do theater as well i'm actually right now in it on a 12 in another 12 week advanced uh, theater program and uh, head of facilitation for one of my uh, my mentor uh, theater enthusiasts so you know so stand up comedy is also one of those things i've missed theater in my life for so long but i don't have the bandwidth to get back into ஒருத்தர் <laughs> <laughs> bug nice. anyway uh i have to stop because we have to move on to the next section uh we're going to take a break right here and join back luvina rangel in section 3 we're in section 3 now back with luvina rangel uh this is side project section and quick brief which i'm starting to give every time i interview somebody why i call it side project i found that primarily you know there are two types of guests people who who when they hear the word side project they say okay something else is making me money or people who listen to side project say my hobbies that get me away from work right and the vibe that i've gotten from you is you seem to be the sort of person who looks at side projects more as things that fulfill you outside of work so that you can sort of explore like you said you've done so many things what are the kind of things uh, that you're exploring at the moment what are you reading at the moment or what's caught your attention yeah lots of things um right now every sunday we have my theater project that's going on so sometime uh, mid of feb or early part of feb is when we'll be having a large scale production um and we're a group of the- theater uh, artists and directors in that so that's uh, one b- major thing that's happening but i do a lot of things on the side i i love uh, writing right i love writing and i love tell me what you write i'm going to critique it as a pro- professional writer <laughs> so i write a lot of slice of life uh, uh, essays and pieces blogs but at the same time i am um, also uh, i also write for a couple of entrepreneurial groups uh, that i'm a part of uh, for some cultural associations that i'm a part of so i write uh, articles for them uh, in 2020 i on the 1st of jan i said this year i'm going to take take on poetry and i wrote some uh, you know i just went back to some poetry that i wrote and i i composed and i put that up on my instagram as my my private instagram not the curvy yogi one uh along with some pictures so those were all, so mostly my writing is largely very you know from the heart and um, even if they are long pieces just as an observation on facebook they reach out to people so places where i write are so i've got book one of my blogs are on book reviews one of them is on yoga entirely and the other one is luvina's world where it can be anything from parenting to relationships to um, you know um, someone's experience with bullying or any of that um 
And then on Facebook, I have long form posts as well, uh, which can either be a, a response or a reaction to a social incident or, uh, you know, a movie or I don't know what. It can be anything. And I think that brings, uh, you know, it, it makes a connection with people. It makes yeah. a connection with people uh, who just want to know, you know, or, or just don't know how to express and they get to hear it. So uh, so that's what I do. Um, what are your blog addresses? So I've got curvyyogime. They're all WordPress uh, blogs. curvyyogime.wordpress.com. Uh, then there's luvinarangel.wordpress.com uh, and luvinasreads.wordpress. Uh, um, and then I post stuff on LinkedIn. Again, my LinkedIn posts also have a very unique way of, uh, you know, they're not uh, your professional cutout posts, but they are about professionalism. They are about, um, you know, uh, EQ at the workplace or wellness at the workplace or any of those things. So uh, so they are all of these. And um, other articles, sometimes they're interviews, sometimes they're just word pieces. So all of them that just uh, coming together. Just from a, a host point of view, I have to do this. So curvyyogime.wordpress.com, luvinarangel.wordpress.com, luvinareads.wordpress.com, her Facebook, her LinkedIn, and Luvina's World. What is that? Sorry? Luvina's World is the Luvina Angel one. Uh, that's uh, the blog name. Yeah. Mm. All of these are linked in the description below. The description is a very long blog post. Please come over to Substack if you're listening on another platform to see it formatted well for you. But they are all linked below. Please do go check them out. Yay. Thank you, Vaibhav. I have to do this. I love doing it, actually. Because, see, it, it is a privilege for me to have guests like you. Like people who are able to talk and articulate. And honestly, have a good time talking to a stranger, right? So this show, how I started was talking to my friends, essentially. Interviewing mm -hmm. them. And then asking, hey, friends of friends. So, you know, tell, yeah. introduce me to somebody. And so you were recommended by uh, Medha, who herself was recommended by Gargi. And Gargi is my therapist. So you are, you mm -hmm. and I are three degrees of separation. Right. Mm -hmm. And for, for me, it's it's so much fun to like be able to sit down and talk to a stranger. Often like, you know, where do you fall on? I mean, I know where you fall, but uh, are you an introvert or an extrovert or somewhere in between? What do you think about that whole thing? You know, I always thought I was an extrovert, okay? So maybe as a child, I thought I was an introvert, but I figured out now that no, 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 I wasn't. I've always been an intro extrovert. But during COVID, I really enjoyed just being by myself. I mean, you know? see, that, that's a stress response. Was, yeah, no, no, no. I think it was like, you know, uh, oh, I have the opportunity to not go out and I'll just stay by myself. I still love people, Vibha. I am an extrovert. I need lots of people around me. I, yeah. I mean, if you take away people from around me, then I think I just shrink and I collapse because um, a lot. I, I think that energy that I carry and the energy that I get from people around, even if, I mean, they don't have to be all, you know, fireworky and firecrackery in front of me. But just having another person around me is what I need. So I definitely an extrovert. I won't even say I'm an ambivert. I am definitely extrovert. Unapologetic extroverts, you and Unapologetic. I. Unapologetic, yeah. So the thing is, right, I have a lot of introvert friends. I've gone back and forth on whether I was an introvert extrovert. The, the, the final definition I landed on was if I recharge with people around me, that's an mm -hmm. extrovert. If I recharge by myself, that's an introvert, primarily. Mm. But, you know, people attach so many um, uh, yeah. unnecessary sort of personality traits to all of this and there's this whole thing of extroverts are assholes and they're in your space and all that. no look look at us we are so comfortable no. yeah wait, wait. Hang on. introverts can be pretty nasty too right yeah have you yeah. seen like facebook comment section those are all yeah, i know <laughs> <laughs> 
So where did the love of communication stem from for you? I think I was born with the bug. So <laughs> I think I was born of... with the bug, but uh, yeah, I've always written. I've always written. I've always spoken. I've always been on the stage. I'm a singer. Oh, that's another side thing for you. I'm no, singing. I'm singing. You I'm, don't ask me to sing. Okay. I will not. I'm not. <laughs> Oh, that's such a cringe. Why will you give me a free performance? I have to pay for that. So, uh, no. But I think my love for communication and writing uh, started when I was in grade eight. Mm-hmm. When my, same as me okay go on when I was in grade 8 when my when my teachers insisted they didn't even just they said you you're there and you have to write this an elocution and this and I had to write my speeches and I was called up to speak and called up to write and then I was published in certain magazines here and there and I said oh you know this looks nice and uh, and I said okay you know that's when I knew that uh, I loved writing but it took me many years to realize or to actually accept that people enjoy reading what I wrote hmm. you know uh, I didn't know that I thought they were just being you know like Facebook when they say like 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 and I said you know they're just being good friends but then it was much later when I started listening wholeheartedly to what they were saying when they said what you're saying resonates that's when I realized that uh, no I, I do really write well you know, and I do really speak well. And it's not because, like I said earlier, right? It's not because I'm trying to fake it. I'm actually, I'm actually speaking from the heart, if I can. So uh, I think that's where it began. And I, I, I think I have to be very grateful to my uh, language teachers who, uh, you know, who appreciated that and who encouraged that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But grade eight, definitely. I think grade eight for me also because, um, so the batch that I was in was exceptionally gifted. Like we had exceptionally gifted students uh, like I had around me. And to me then it was a very tumultuous time of, you know, trying to understand, oh, maybe I'm not all the hot shit that I thought that I was. (laughs) Uh, It was always English and maths that for me uh, worked out well. In particular, my English teachers always gave me the maximum score for the essay questions, which is 16 out of 20. For some dumb reason, they, they don't give they you They can't more. give full in English, right? You can never get full marks in English. Stupidest thing I've ever heard, honestly, because, hey, you, ha- you have a standard that you're expecting for the student, right? It's a class 8 student. What do you expect the standard for them to be? If they're meeting that standard, that's a 20 out of 20. Just give it yeah, to them. Yeah. Let's I don't know why they them. expect Hemingways, but I mean, even Hemingway, they would give like 15 or 20. They'd give 16. They'll yeah. say 15 and 3 fourths. Yeah. <laughs> but I always got 16 in my essays out of 20. And I'm like, oh, okay. And uh, I was a computer science major. And then I got a job as a documentation guy, which was fine for a couple of years. And then somebody in Toastmasters made me realize, oh, you're a really good writer. Like there mm-hmm. were two people back to back. One person, um, she came to me. She was more senior than me in Toastmasters. She says, can you mentor me? I'm like, oh. She's like, no, your English is really good. You should write a book. Can you help, uh, you know, look at my speeches? And mm. that was like this, you know, reeling moment of, hey, I am really good. Like, I mean, I am mm. a writer. I'm a professional writer. Shit, I didn't realize. It was like yeah. that. And the second thing was, I was working on a script for an MCing gig with uh, one of my friends. And it was Saturday morning, like eight o'clock, we were sitting together and I was, I had, we had the printout of the script and I was like, okay, cool. This, it doesn't work. We'll just change this and this and this and this. And I'm going through it quite quickly as was normal to me. And then I turn and look at her because she's quiet. And she's like, she's got her mouth open. I'm like, what happened? She's like, how are you doing this? I'm like, doing what? How are you editing so quickly? I'm like, everybody can do it. She's like, I can't do it. I'm like, oh, maybe not everybody can do what I can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, You know, you're right. I think most of us, um, not many of us realize um, the unique 
qualities, the unique skills that we carry because we are so um, dulled or numbed by the mundaneness of it. You know, we think that it's, ah, it's like everybody must be able to do this. Yeah. And honestly, like any sort of um, effort towards self-love or self-appreciation, or just even just saying, hey, I'm good at X is met with backlash from yes. insecure people who are like, oh, you're so arrogant to talk about, you think you're so good. such a show off. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's been my experience and that's been an experience for so many other people, mm-hmm. which is why when I approach as a teacher, it's always like, I'm so proud of you. Yes, you are amazing. Like we need we positive honest, reinforcement, a lot of positive reinforcement, like our systems need to be changed for me, like a huge difference maker when I was very lonely in between and dealing with mental health issues was just unfollowing very destructive meme pages on Facebook and following the wholesome meme stuff and just seeing, you know, positive messages again and again made such a huge difference to me. And uh, I try and be that for the people in my life. I'm sure you do that for the people in your life. Um, yeah. I know the section was about to be, uh, was, a, was supposed to be about your side project, but I don't care. Uh, talk, mm-hmm. talk to me about when you sort of view yourself on the spectrum of like negativity to positivity, how you project that in the world. And honestly, like if you could come up with a goal for yourself with your communication skills and sort of helping people uh, mm. actualize and be themselves, what do you think you want your impact? Um, so I'll be very honest. I've had a lot. I've had a very difficult uh, adult life. Okay. So I could be the poster child for negativity if that if that were possible. But I think I've always had a great deal of sunshine and optimism in my life that uh, I have the I have the ability and mm-hmm. the skill to you know put on that smile and come forward right uh, but I also appreciate and acknowledge not only to myself at this point but to everyone who's listening as well that putting on a face uh, putting on that mask is not necessarily the right thing to do because the you know all the turmoil that's beyond the mask if you just keep hiding it, then you will have to crack that face mask once somewhere or the other. And that can be very painful if you do not have the means to actually support yourself or be supported. That's where the mental health issue comes in, right? So uh, for me on that spectrum, it is I have bad days as well, right? I have bad days. And sometimes they're terrible days that I don't really know what to do with. And I just show up and the natural side of me laughs. But then I have made it a point, um, you know, of late that when people ask me how I am, right, by, well, not just any any other person, but usually when people ask how I am, then I give them a preview on how I actually am feeling. And I don't just, in fact, uh, I think a couple of months back, I had put up something on Facebook saying that, you know, most of you think of me as this very positive, very happy person who has a lot of all of this thing going on. I said, please don't think for a moment that I do not have bad days. And I said, these past few months, I have gone through all of this right? I don't need to tell that to everyone because they are daily logistical things at times, but they can take a toll. So I think uh, uh, for me, it has been acknowledging that it's there, but also recognizing uh, that uh, I tune myself out sometimes when I'm super stressed, right? I just, uh, I think maybe that is my reflex escape mode. I I think I feel sleepy more. Yeah, I dissociate in many ways. And I say, not now, not now, right? Um, uh, because sometimes, I mean, you, you can't break down in front of children, but then sometimes you do have to, you know, especially as they're growing up, you do have to break down in front of them so that they know like, oh, she isn't actually 
superwoman after all and uh, you know i think being in touch with our emotions is important i have made it a point uh, in my relationships with my children with my partner to tell them how i feel you know um, and to slowly tweak them and you know uh, mold them into learning how to accept other people's emotions because it's one thing to say yeah i'll give you my emotions but can you take them do you have the bandwidth to take them so yes. for the people who are in your safe space you know uh, i think a little bit of that is important with and a little other... tact and like yeah tact um empathy and you know at the same time um not everyone is uh, you know uh, is obliged or obligated to listen to your this okay. if they don't have the bandwidth no, just because someone's there oh you're a very good listener i want to tell you something hello i maybe i, I have a your like so. <laughs> you know so um um and for me my so to the second part of your question what's the goal that i would set so i had written a book some years back but i took it back from the publishers because it didn't feel ready and they wanted to make all sorts of changes uh so some books are out i know a couple of my friends who have been telling me forever you have to write about this you have to write right okay fine so the books are coming out but the one goal that i have when it comes to the work that i do in terms of communication in terms of knowing that i speak and i reach people is that is to write about this authentic experience that i have as luvina in this life so mm. that if there is anyone out there who may have experienced even one fraction of that experience not the entire thing but even if it's one fraction and they wake up and say if she's done it maybe i could do it you know if that can give them that one tiny sliver of hope that they do not have to give up then i think this lifetime would have been successful gorgeous that's where uh, we uh, both of us have to run so i'm just going to power through section 4 and 5 very quickly again we'll do it like in rapid fire normally the show lasts one hour i don't get guests like you who i can talk to for four lavina uh question uh, section 4 starts with this the show works on the basis of recommendations uh, i ask people uh, who do you admire why do you think medha admires you i have no idea why medha admires me i i don't really know i think medha is, admires me because i admire yeah 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 no 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 i don't i i, I don't because i because i we peers but i think medha is a beautiful person who sees beauty uh, around her and i think we like i said the, the kind of people we attract in our classes um i think uh, it is that sheer openness and that honesty that she comes in and that's why maybe the likes attract because you reflect that to her i guess i guess yes then you also bring in light i want you to acknowledge I mean, that i do i do i think uh, well i believe that i uh, i engage in every interaction of mine with with anyone uh, from a space of honesty um, and integrity so uh, i think that the people who come into my space also are just that so so thank you uh, for giving me that opportunity to acknowledge that for myself as well <laughs> second last question uh, what are three principles you try and live uh integrity authenticity those are two main ones and uh, well the third one would be hotness 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 there's too much fire web how mercury is in retrograde <laughs> no 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 mercury mercury is mercury right actually mars i'm a mars person i'm an aries oh but men are from mars blah i, I couldn't even yeah. thought it was so stupid <laughs> <laughs> final question because we have to run um, please give us your recommendations please advertise the curvy yogi mm. 
yes, please, uh, everyone, this is the Kirby Yogi. And uh, I, I do look forward to reaching out to people, um, you know, with uh, who really want to bring in yoga, not just as a yoga on the mat, not just flexibility and becoming a rubber band body, but by becoming more uh, livable and being more authentic in your life and uh, to finding more peace and joy and stability. Um, I do bring in authentic practices from the Vedas in terms of yoga and Ayurveda. But at the same time, my conversations are this way. You know, they're very uh, interactive, very contemporary. And uh, and yes, I do have the occasional cuss words, but not in my classes, not not really. Um, I make people be heard and feel heard uh, because that is uh, the whole principle of being uh, an authentic uh, human being. Um, if you're looking for someone to write as well at the same time, or if you're looking for someone to have a conversation with, please, uh, uh, you know, uh, reach out to me. I'm sure Webhub will have a whole list of links over there on how you can get in touch with me. I am on Instagram largely for community engagement. So uh, you can do that. Um, join yeah, us you- for our theater programs and for stand up comedy, because I do have some pretty nice uh, jokes once in a while, but uh, that's a good one. It's a huge list of links in the uh, body of this blog post slash uh, podcast bio. Uh, please do look at it. Please do visit uh, Lavina's site. She's bifurcated it all very nicely for you based on your uh, your disposition. Lavina Rangel, thank you so much for sitting down with me. I hope this was a positive experience for you. Thank you so much, Vaibhav. I think it has been one of the best conversations I've had in a long while. Thank you for not prepping me up with what I need to come in prepared for. I think this uh, spontaneity is something that I was really uh, looking forward to and enjoyed it very, very much. And thank you. And thank you to your audience as well. If you've, uh, if you've, if you're sitting with us for so long, then uh, thank you so much. Uh, I'm going to follow up with you aggressively uh, over text about your recommendations for people you admire and so on and so forth. But this has been an absolute joy. Thank you so much. Thank you. And that was the interview. I hope you enjoyed it. Now here is Letters to Myself. Hello, Webber. Another new year has started and I'm coming into it with a clean bill of health. I feel excited. But my excitement is muted and I'm not sure why. Maybe it's just caution. As I enter undisputed adulthood, aka my 30s, I find that all excitement is tempered with caution. I've learned this from the people around me, from people on the internet. It feels like it's taboo to express unfettered enthusiasm because things go wrong so quickly. There's always a reason to feel bad or gloomy or cautious. But for now at least, I have goals again to distract me. I've made my New Year's resolutions. I've made my quarter plan. I wake up joyous, though sore as shit. I'm willing to try erasing this taboo of of enthusiasm and instead of caution, approach it with grace. There's always a reason to feel bad, but by practicing grace, I am ready to feel genuinely excited again. 2022 was good to me and I'm looking forward to reading through my journals and my previous letters and summarize what I learned. And I'm looking forward even more to new things, new experiences and new people. Looking forward to new Vapov.